our episode continues. The show's fourth season largely focuses on the introduction of a bot therapy and Brightborn industry. The bot therapy, not uh, for genetic diseases. Uh, in season four, we also were introduced to a new clone, MK, the paranoid and reclusive mask wearing hacker. We are also introduced to a clone that is kind of uppity and dizzy and and no matter how much she is told, doesn't believe she's a clone. This is Crystal. And Crystal's involvement in seeing people killed. And and she she seems to have some canny awareness of, of what's going on. And she is a uh, cosmo, cosmetologist. And she has a vested interest in how people look. She goes to Brightborn and, and tries to to find out and to research stuff and she steals a bunch of samples and then of course they want to talk to her because they know she's a clone but they're talking to her just she thinks that they're angry because she stole all the cosmetic products (laughs) and and she she runs out of there but she keeps showing up places and asking questions in the fourth season, they decide to take an opportunity to do sort of a prequel to the pilot episode. They give you a little bit more of the backstory of the policewoman in the very first episode, Beth. And so, yeah. oh, no kidding. You, yeah, they, <laughs> you actually get to spend a day in the life of Beth. Oh, yeah. She, oh, she was, uh, she was there when they discovered the the cheek. Yeah, I noticed that uh, I'm looking at, I've been looking at the character lists for like to sort of partly to remind myself of the names, but I noticed that Beth was, was uh, back. In season four, we are reunited with Dr. Duncan's wife, Susan, who was one of the scientists that was the head of the cloning program, who apparently was the brains behind the operation because she was the one who uh, was taken under their wings, so to speak. And she has this magnificent lair on an island in the North Atlantic. And it looks very Frank Lloyd Wright. And it's revealed that it's a very old facility. She's built her modern condo-like structure over the top, you know, miles above it. They've kept people captive in the underground layers. And this is where we are in season four, is that some of the clones have been taken to this island the the clones are all separated and they all seem to be in danger. The only people that aren't in immediate danger are the are Allison, Helena, and Donnie, who seem to be out in the middle of the wilderness somewhere and nobody knows where they're at. But all of all of our main characters that we're supposed to like, all of our clones are, are just in, in great danger. So rounding out the questions, what is your favorite episode to date? Um <laughs> I'm allowed to have more than one. Uh, it's more of a series of episodes, I'd say. Um, I suppose I could pick one of them, but it's it's the sort of the first uh, two, three, four episodes of season two. Um, I, I really enjoyed that when you're beginning to find out a bit more and realizing that Mrs. S isn't quite what what she appears to be, and you're meeting characters like Cal, who is um, uh, spoiler alert, is uh, Kira's father. Oh yeah, um, I really liked him. Yeah, I like him. And He's the only mm-hmm. normal person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot. There's just a lot going on, and, and he's got a nice beard. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's just a lot, a lot going on in that episode. Well, those sort of those sort of episodes, and also uh, my favourite moment. It's typical of me. Uh, I like it when um, 
Alison watches her neighbour die and just kind of <laughs> let, just kind of decides that actually I'm not going to kind of step in. Um, that's that sort of was so sort of bizarre. Dark, like, oh, that, that was. <laughs> yeah. What a weird thing. I did I you know, I really didn't know what to make of that. I I really didn't because it was just it was just a very strange element. And yeah, I don't know, it was weird. Allison was they they were friends and then they were enemies. Yes. And things got very bitter between them and Right. She was led to believe that her neighbor was her monitor. All the clones mm-hmm. have somebody who's keeping track of them. And yeah. in this case, she thought her neighbor was the person who was watching her because she was the least obvious. Right. But this this is the element, you know, the little surprises that come in th- yeah, throughout, throughout, throughout the series. And one is that we be, we think of Allison as this a little goofy. She's hopped up on pills and alcohol. <laughs> and uh, she's appealing in that she brings a lot of humor. But then there's this incredibly dark segment where she watches her neighbor die in a garbage disposal unit yeah, and she's standing right there by the switch and she could turn it off but she doesn't so this is just one of those you know this is just one of those loops they throw at you that makes the series brilliant as a whole but that scene was like fucked up i mean uh, screwed up <laughs> screwed up it was one of those moments where if I was a screenplay writer, I would have to wonder if that scene was titled Allison's first taste of blood I wonder. <laughs> yeah, and Toppy, what was your favorite? Well, uh, like Paul said, there's so many good episodes, but I, I suppose for me, uh, when when Allison starts to think that her husband is a monitor and she ties him up, <laughs> and then and then uh, coincidentally she has a party she's supposed to be throwing, and then poor Sarah has to come in and pretend to be Allison. <laughs> And I just thought that was brilliant. It was it was just brilliant writing. And I suppose that's my favorite episode. Well, I, I was going to say, I have a couple of favorites. I think that one of my favorite episodes, because Helena is one of my favorite characters, certainly. Oh, I love her. And, and you know, uh, by coincidence, I, I have a couple of people in my life who have Russian backgrounds. Um, I had a coworker that uh, from an old job, and I happened to reach out to her and I asked her, "Have you seen the show Orphan Black? I think you might like it." And she's somebody that um, was actually adopted here in the states, but she was born in Russia. And when I mentioned the show to her, she's like, "Are you kidding me? I love that show." She's like, <laughs> Brilliant. And I happened to mention to my dentist that I'm watching the show, and I asked her if it. <laughs> <laughs> and my dentist is a Russian Jew, and she says, I grew up in the Ukraine. I love that show. Oh. <laughs> but, um, you know, Helena, like I said, she's she's got some of those primitive protective instincts in there. And there's a scene after uh, Allison and Donnie, the suburban people that have the perfect life, quote unquote, uh, have turned to the dark side and they've started selling prescription pills to uh, raise the money for Allison's school board election. Ah, um, well, also, you know, and to pay their bills, because they only had one mortgage payment. Exactly, because the husband lost his job. Uh-huh. Um, so at the same time that 
you know, we're seeing the the uh, clones have to impersonate each other for favors. Now, Helena, who is having to live with Allison and Donnie because Sarah has become too busy to keep track of her. Helena is with Donnie and he come she comes with him on this errand to try and pay back the drug lord. And she um, she waits outside in the car until she's decided that Donnie has taken long enough. She's coming in because she's curious. And of course, she doesn't look like Alice and she's got blonde hair. And she <laughs> speaks with a thick accent. So she pretends that she's got a cold when they ask her what's wrong with her. And then they cross the line because Donnie has given the money back to the drug lord and things are supposed to be all fine and good. But one of the, uh, the uh, flunkies, for lack of a better term, says a few words that cross the line and this woman says you better watch your back we know where your children go to school and that just trips the wire <laughs> and the flame starts burning in helena's head and she says you threaten babies no one threatens babies and she just goes off the deep end donnie is pushed out of the chop shop and the door is closed and the next thing you hear are blood curdling screams and then Helena comes out and she has removed the blade from the paper cutting board and it's covered in blood. And it's like a scene from the Barber of Seville. <laughs> he says, I have your refund. Yeah. Now, I, I think this is, uh, DJ, this is just part of the brilliance of the writing is that you really have a character like Helena, who is a knife wielding, feral a super destructive person and yet we end up caring about her and we end up feeling sympathy for her and uh you know to me that is great writing helena is one of my favorite characters because she she has overcome a great number of adversities she has somehow been trained to be an assassin, which is why she can do these things. But she has been trained to the, do that. She was held by these, this religious cult that impregnated her. Helena is carrying this child that she is really, really loves. And then you see an event uh, during the campaign for Allison's school board election. And this guy is following Allison and is trying to grab her. So they make a stop somewhere and this and Allison goes in and she doesn't appear to come out then he follows her in and he, and it's not Allison there but it's Helena and she has knives and screwdrivers and stuff taped to her hands with duct tape <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, she she chases them back to the Allison and Donnie's place, the Hendrix's garage, because that's where they've set up shop for making their their legitimate business, the soaps and fragrances. <laughs> but when she kills this guy and he's dying on the floor of this garage, she lays down and and they have a sweet little talk about their childhood. Right, because the, they're both actually clones. The man who's chasing her is part of the male counterpart, Caster clones who were engineered to be military assassins. They have this really sweet little conversation. It's just bizarre. Yeah, she talks about his brothers and likens it to being in a basket of puppies. It's just another one of those things that comes in and it's like, you know, 
uh, somebody has has thought this character through a lot to come up with those kind of things. I I'm not sure I would have uh, mm-hmm. thought of doing that. Well, that's one of the things that I'd like to praise the show for is the writing and the fact that this group of writers and creators thought of this universe, which to me, this universe is happening right now today. This is not in the future. This is right now today. Well, yeah, it certainly looks like it. Yeah, but just the fact that they've strung all of these characters together, they bring us on this ride, it goes up and down, and they develop the characters enough that you feel for Sarah, you feel for Helena, you love Felix. I just think brilliant, just brilliant work. I really do. Considering how unique this show is, is there any other program that you've watched that reminds you of of maybe even elements of this show? Or do you think that Orphan Black and its unique storytelling is on its own, that there's nothing else like it you've seen? Well, I'll go first because what came to mind for me is a, well, it's an old movie now, for heaven's sakes, but there was a movie in the 70s with Gregory Peck and Sir Lawrence Olivier, and it was called The Boys from Brazil. Oh, yes. And it was about cloning, and it was about a secret cloning project, and they delivered all these Hitler clones throughout the world. (laughs) And uh, it was, it, it did remind me of that, but other than that, just to me, this is original stuff this This is is, this is really it's really brilliantly conceived and it doesn't try to go too far i think uh yeah i think you're you're right there's that there are a few series that are are looking to future technology like there's a show called humans over here which i'm not sure whether has been shown over your side of the pond um that that involves more more robots though uh and sort of that sort of side of things and there's a show called black mirror which again looks into different aspects of um future technology in a sort of one-off plays a bit like a modern day twilight zone but um yeah i I think there might be the odd sort of clone story involved in that series but not a whole series not a whole concept and um like orphan black so Mm -hmm. yeah i just feel like it's treading on a few new in in sort of new territory to a certain extent um I, I do think that Orphan Black is unique in that the way that it has brought together these elements, you know, you, you've, you've got the uh, person on the run, maybe somebody who's got a past, but you've also got people who are learning things about themselves that they didn't know. And maybe it's helping things click together. Like, you know, uh, why didn't I know about I mean, where I came from? And, you know, I was adopted and I never knew all this stuff. So, it it uh it's very unique and original in that i've i've never seen or i'm not aware of a storyline that brings all this together it reminds me of several different programs kind of put together it reminds me of like the the born series of films that had matt damon in them for a while there you know you've got an assassin who's had his white memory wiped and he's sort of learning on the as he goes about his past, and that's filling in. So for the same uh, with the the uh, clones, they're learning story or the secret behind how they came to exist, and maybe answering some of the questions to why they feel alone because 
you know, they, they never were part of the environment they were planted in. And to some degree, it also reminds me of a 90s TV series that starred heartthrob Michael Weiss. He was in a movie with Patrick Stewart called Jeffrey, and he was the heartthrob in that. That show was called The Pretender. And ah, okay. You know, he was a man who was on the run. There's been several movies and, and shows over the years about someone on the run. But in his case, he's trying to piece together his childhood because they've sacrificed his memories to program him as an operative. But yeah, overall, I think it's very original. Yeah. So um, I'll give you another moment, Duchess, and I'll provide my answer if that's okay. Yeah, I I I I really can't think of anything. This is this is broken territory. This is broken acting and and screenwriting territory that that I'm not sure has it surpassed so many things. The last question that we have for you, gentlemen, this evening is: At what stage in the show did you realize you were hooked? Ah, yeah. <laughs> I think, okay. I think it was. Sorry, do you want to go first, Tommy? No, sorry, Paul. Go ahead. Um, I think it was when Alison watched her neighbor get strangled. That's what did it for me. I'm a sick little puppy sometimes. <laughs> that sort of thing really appeals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for me, it was much earlier than that. Uh, <clears throat> well, I'll say genuinely, by the end of the first episode, I felt like, okay, I like these characters. Wasn't sure. But even by the end of the first episode of the first season, I felt like, yeah, I want to stick with this. Mm -hmm. In my situation, there were several things that caught my eye about this show. And because my husband has worked with uh, elements of theater before, and he has a great affinity for horror movies, I'm one to read the credits to see who the producer and the director and everyone is. And mm -hmm. I realize a recognizable name at the end of the credits. Now, it's not an individual, but it said the name of the company that produced this was Temple Straight Productions. Mm -hmm. and I remembered that from the early 2000s because Showtime had an American adaptation. Um, American in the sense that we imported it from Canada, but uh, American adaptation of the British series Queer as Folk. So, great ah. productions produced that. And I thought to myself, oh, that is so cool because Felix's apartment could have been Brian's loft. Ah. <laughs> the sets, because it's, it's hard, you know, it costs more money to build all new versus just keep parts of it. So. Yes. That, and then, of course, Felix isn't very hard on the eyes either. I mean, I don't remember <laughs> if it was in the first season, but there's a very prominent scene where he's doing art in his, you know, trendy apartment there, and he's wearing nothing but an apron. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, but, yeah, uh, both, both shows uh, filmed in Toronto. And I really enjoyed the chemistry between the housewife Allison and Felix because even though she's sort of straight laced and you would assume conservative, yes, he starts peddling Felix around like a brother, but she yes. says he's her acting coach. Yes, <laughs> DJ, so right that that uh, you wouldn't have expected it, but Felix and and uh, and she become. Uh, friends. I mean, F Felix helps her 
and Felix mm-hmm. cares about her. That was a great element. Yeah, I think that Felix cares about her almost as much as he cares about Sarah. Maybe I don't know. I, I'm going to be. I'm going to be. Uh, um, I'm going to go basic here and say I, I like the mortician that Felix hooks up with. This is very nice. This character certainly comes in handy in part of the plot. <laughs> Felix uh, does hook up with a lot of really interesting Oh, people. I love Felix. I just <laughs> love him. Yeah, well, he, it's not like, because you could easily have made him hook up with sort of a very similar type of, of guy to himself. But he, he's, I know some, some of, some of his, uh, Hookups and maybe work, but um, not all of them. And uh, yeah, the, the, he's he's not he doesn't sort of go for a stereotype look. It's cool. Um, no, actually, uh, speaking strictly as a gay character uh, that is written into a show, uh, hats off to the writers. They just did a tremendous job. Uh, he becomes he's very likable. Uh, very gay, and <laughs> it all works. And yet, Felix is not an uncaring person. I mean, he feels for Sarah, and he feels for you know the the, the housewifey suburban woman, um, Allison. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so the, the these are not. This is not a gay character, light you know lightly uh, concepted. And this is this is a full blown character. Mm-hmm. And, and hats, hats off to the writers who did that. The Duchess, um, what what got you hooked? Um, I think by the end of the first episode, and I w- I had a I I wanted to like it from the beginning. The things that I had seen about it just made me want to like it, and I think that helps about stuff like that. But it is it is really re- well written. It has multiple surprise material in it. The characters are, for the most part, are all fully developed. I'm, I'm sure the actors all could tell you their backstory. Atati, yeah, she, she has said that uh, it certainly, it has changed her life, that she looks at the world much differently now than she did. But I could understand that. That would, doing that for five years is pretty hard oh can we talk about uh the actress who plays sarah can we get her name out here what is it tatiana maslani okay oh there can can we just say she is in almost every goddamn scene now can you imagine a production schedule where this show comes out once a week how much over five years how much work it was for this actress my God, I can't even think. Uh, but all I can say is, hell of a good job. It's she's incredible. <laughs> there, there is uh, there is one scene on YouTube that you could see that's a blooper. I don't know which season it is, but at the time she's dressed as the scientist character Kasima, and Kasima is walking somewhere with a box in her hand, and she's got her cell phone wedged between her ear and her shoulder and the dialogue she's saying is dude you've got to talk to Kasima and she's flubbed her line because she says oh crap I am Kasima 
yeah, I, 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 I can. I wondered if that sort of thing had happened. Even when I'm doing my podcast and I'm doing different voices, sometimes I, I start doing it. I go, no, 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 that's that's the wrong voice, and that's just a, a podcast that I've known uh, her doing all the characters she does, and you know, having to remember lines as well. Yeah, I, and and the makeup and the and costume changes. Yeah, I read a I don't know what it was an article or, or something about these scenes where she's playing multiple characters and they got it down to a science uh, over the course of the years. But still those scenes where this actress is playing one clone and the other, and sometimes even another, a third clone. Yeah. uh, I was reading about the production that these scenes were incredibly, they would go on for days to create them and that it it took, it took a lot out of everybody, the actress, the crew, everybody. Yeah. And when you see the final result, the way they have done this, I'll just say trick photography. Um, (laughs) When you see it, it is seamless. It is seamless and highly complex. Yeah. Very, very impressive. In the world of Orphan Black, it appears that the government, legal system, police, and political systems all run pretty much as they do in our contemporary world. What are the countries where cloning is legal? Does the United States and the UK and even Western Europe accept the patents on sentient beings? What are the countries where this is is legal? I just, you know, uh, Sarah at the end says, and we will do this in, in, in countries where cloning is legal and if, and they are, she says that they are, they are patented, they are raised as farm animals, they are experimental things, they belong to us and if we want to cut a tail off of our, uh, of our experiments and to see if it will grow back, we darn well will. No, that was Ra- that was Rachel that said that because Rachel has decided at the end of season four to take over. I think that in the production world, just like how it used to be that the villains are always the one that had the the Van Dyke, you know, the mustache and the little soul patch. <laughs> You know, in movies and TV now, the evil woman is the one that's wearing the short haircut, the bob. So it's the evil bob now. (laughs) And the heels, that's important. She's got to be wearing heels because that makes her a power woman. Where do you gentlemen think that any of this is legal? Well, I know I, I did. A, I had a quick look at Wikipedia, and uh, I know that seven, seventy countries make it illegal. It seems to be a lot um, harder to actually, um, you know, elements of cloning are allowed in some countries, but human cloning, I'm not sure. I know of any country that makes it legal, uh, says it's legal, but uh, um, it seemed to be the, the page I was looking at seemed more intent on saying the countries that didn't rather than if there were any that did <laughs> well yeah i think i think so and and I think that there was a lot of discussion about that back, what, 20 years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. when Dolly the sheep was cloned. 
Yes. And and everybody and, made a big fuss about that. And they wanted to pass laws all over the United States and in the world. And they just were talking about how reprehensible that was. And and uh, and the farmer, the the scientist who did it had some great reason for doing it. I don't remember what it was, but um, yeah. And by the way, Dolly the sheep died. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I heard that. She made <laughs> she international news when she died. Yeah, she didn't live long. I don't know what the problem was but she didn't live long i think the hype was that she lived longer than they expected at least yeah, yeah. We're, we're going back a long ways to dolly the sheep that's a long time ago we've it's, learned a lot since then so toppy what's your take on that where do you think this would be legal you know for heaven's sakes i don't know all i know is that the united states has taken uh the idea that these stem cells which could be incredibly valuable are you know that they have a problem with that and all i know is that there are other countries that willy-nilly use the stem cells and they're going to go forward and all i know is the people that are going forward are going to learn a hell of a lot more about it than the united states and if we're talking about the future maybe the united states should get off their asses (laughs) and start figuring out how they can become leaders in this stuff instead of being i don't know but this is the future it's happening it's going on there are who effing knows what kind of secret cloning programs are going on in all seriousness in any country you name the country korea i don't know but it's it's happening and we have all these legal restrictions and come on <laughs> are, 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 is the United States going to take a role here in the future of, of genetics? I don't think the United States is taking a role in the future of anything. Well, yeah. <laughs> quite frankly, we are not wanting to work to, to encourage work on renewable energy. We, we are not pushing that. We, People like Trump are, are trying to take us back to coal. And we don't need coal. We don't need any more mountains in Virginia blown up. <laughs> you know, I just, we don't need, it, it just, we don't need to do that. Well, to, uh, to bring it back to something Toppy said, you know, with um, stem cells, I find it interesting. This is sort of part of my answer to where would it be legal. Uh, it's interesting. If you'll recall back in the 80s, of course, we had a president who's gone down in history as one of our most conservative leaders <laughs> of, of the time. And yet at the end of his life, he had a life-threatening condition. He had Alzheimer's. President Reagan was staunchly against the idea of stem cell research when he was younger. And as Mm -hmm. the disease threatened to take his life, his wife changed her opinion on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here we have somebody who's gone down in history as being a decision maker. And now the legacy is, okay, we're going to think about that because it's threatening my life now. (laughs) But yes. But, um, you know, to that end, uh, the the short form of the answer is where is it legal is, um, I would say, third world countries, people who live without civil rights that don't have 
the definition of their livelihood written into legislation saying that this is my right to happiness. This is my right to individuality. You know, uh, these are the things that I'm allowed and that you must protect me. Those countries that do not have those laws on the books to protect their people are the places where these mega corporations are going to set up shop because not only can they pay people under the table, but they can do all of this research without the government coming in and saying, hey, what are you doing? And we don't like that. Well, yeah, and I have no doubt that uh, China and probably Russia are also doing some of this stuff. They don't have they don't have laws and they don't have scruples about some of that. Yeah. Can I just say, and I, I honestly believe this is is wild as it sounds but bringing it back to orphan black i seriously <laughs> i seriously believe there are factions and cabals in the united states that are doing these things illegally or whatever they're bending the laws they're stretching the laws they are doing everything they can to take advantage of the latest science and i believe that every country every every country that has the minds and the science are doing the same things and i be, i i firmly believe that that things are going on that we freaking don't know a clue about that's flying under the radar, just like in Orphan Black. Uh, on the note of what you're saying there, Toppy, about companies and and uh, entities within the U.S. probably already doing these things illegally, potentially. There is a movie that came to mind because it reminded me of another show. In fact, I thought it was a remake. It's a film with Ewan McGregor in it. And at the time, I thought that this was going to be a remake of Logan's Run because oh. it uh, it was set up with a similar storyline. And it's called The Island and it was made in 2005. And basically, mm. Ewan McGregor's character discovers he, he that he is a clone. He has become self-aware and this film also stars scarlett johansson mm-hmm. and um i think I but anyways that. I that. yeah through the course of the story they end up escaping from the facility where they've been for lack of a better term raised and and born and all mm-hmm. that as they're leaving the facility they're becoming aware that they are clones because when they get out into the real world they find their copy or their their original that they're a copy of and in this storyline the clones are grown as a means of harvesting in other words the rich white person who needs a kidney now it can be harvested from their clone and they're not necessarily holding back on the genetic development they they haven't decided that it's not unethical to allow these clones to develop brain patterns they they let them mature to full intelligence and then they just keep them around in case somebody has a substance problem <laughs> and then we can just jank an organ and give it to the wealthy person because that's what they paid for yeah but it's called the island and it's 2005 with ewan mcgregor and scarlett johansson thank you for for listening to the 27th episode of far away nearby and we'd like to thank our guest paul chandler and toppy smelly and Paul, if you could tell people where that you can be reached and where they can see things that you've or hear things you've done. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm on Twitter as Shy Yeti. Uh, I have a, a blog site. Sorry, I have a blog site which I've been doing for 17 years, um, and uh, that's um, at shyeti.com. 
and my podcast is the Shy Life Podcast, and that comes out uh, an episode about every five, six, seven days. Or more. Well, congratulations, Paul. I think you're doing quite a lot. He is. I am. <laughs> and he has a real job as well. <laughs> he has he <laughs> yeah. He's a librarian. I it's am, true. yeah. And yourself, Toppy? Uh, you can reach, uh, find everything I do if you go over to thesmellcast.com. And I'd just like to say uh, that if it were not for the Far Away Nearby podcast, the DJ and Sue, I never... This program uh, that we've been talking about all this time, Orphan Black, never would have come across my radar, I don't think. And I just want to say it has been awesome watching Orphan Black. And so thank you for just tipping me to it. And uh, I've enjoyed the ride very much. Duchess, I hear you've been busy lately. What have you been up to? Yes, well, um, besides being on the far away nearby, my granddaughter and I decided that we are going to do a YouTube channel. I accidentally ran into some people who were sitting on their couch and telling us all the things they bought at the Dollar Tree. Oh. And I'm going, I could do that. (laughs) Cleo was looking lost one day and I said, why don't we just do this? And so we have we have already filmed four episodes. They're very they're very short, but um, but. And some of them have to do with, with shopping wow. at the Dollar Tree wow. and Michael's. <laughs> and Duchess, what are you calling your channel? It is Bits and Bobs. Bits oh. and Bobs. Yes, Bits and, and we plan to actually launch it the first uh, around the 1st of July, the first week in July. Excellent. Right. We'll be looking for Bits and Bobs <laughs> featuring All the right. Duchess and Cleo on YouTube. Thanks again for joining us for the 27th episode of The Faraway Nearby. And the next episode will be our live episode, which Woo! will be part of the Pride 48 June streaming weekend. We will All be right. on Saturday, June 24th at 4 p.m. And we will be followed by the Brain Dead podcast with the lovely TJ, who we interviewed back in February. So go back and listen to that episode, folks. Now, so, TJ and Larry I'm... Queen. Thank you for listening to The Far Away Nearby. Visit our webpage at tfnpodcast.com. Find our fan page on Facebook and our companion blog on Tumblr. This show is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. Email us at tfnpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at tfndj. And call or text us at 720-230-6919. This show is a member of the Pride 48 Network. Find other shows at pride48.com.